why it happened, whose fault is it? Did did these things really? I'm not what. Don't pay any attention to Cassidy making her bed on the boat or trying to uh, listen. Like I was saying, it doesn't matter why or how. Whose fault is it? These things aren't really knowable. All you need to know is that you can still enjoy listening to this podcast, which is still totally intelligible. And if you've never heard our show before, maybe you won't even know the difference. Maybe you don't know that podcasts really just sound very uh, clean like the radio does. And uh, you won't notice that this one sounds like shit. And that's fine. And uh, like I said, whose, whose fault could it be? No way of knowing. Hey, everybody. You know, we've been working toward this for a long time. Uh, finally, the stars have aligned, sort of circumstance has conspired, and, you know, we've got a, we've got, you know, big guest on the boat. Folks, it's Free Joy, everybody. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is your Mechanical Freak. Me and Cassidy are on the boat. Munya is in New York City, as always. And we do have guests. We're joined on the boat here by Kamau and Gigi. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Hey. hey. Hi. Um, so Kamau is uh, the executive director of Washington Community Alliance Action Fund, the political arm um, of a network of organizations of color across Washington state focused on securing multiracial democracy. And Duji is a celebrated poet and author. He writes the critically acclaimed newsletter, The Tally, a project of WCA Action Fund. How's it going, fam? Good. I'm feeling great. Yeah. Thanks we're for having boat. us. Yeah. Thanks, we are on Thanks the boat. so much for coming out. Yeah. We've been Twitter friends for a while. Um, yeah. Is this the first IRL meetup? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Holy That's incredible. We've met in real life from yeah. DSA stuff. Yeah. Um, like important important question. Yeah. Events and stuff like that. Important question. Is Kamau taller than you thought he was going to be? I mean, I hadn't assessed sure. his height, honestly. What what, yeah. what height does Kamau give online? What's what's right. the, uh, <laughs> what, what energy, what height energy does Kamau give on his tweets? I think some tall guy energy. Yeah. That's, yeah. On Twitter, he's know. definitely 6'4". Yeah. My team this morning told me that I give a lot of 5'10 energy. Oh! That's like on Zoom. Oh. That's on Zoom. You're like, you know, you're very, you're very polite. That's a good height for meetings. Yeah. Right. It Approachable. totally is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But you're six four on Twitter for sure, and I look different than the profile. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wait, and what are we hitting IRL? Like, what's the stats? Oh, it's uh, <laughs> six foot because you can okay. tell um, the you can just get your driver's license renewed and tell them whatever you want. They don't measure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a mechanical freak exclusive. <laughs> um, well, awesome. Uh, again, thank you guys for being here. Um, we're doing some. You know, we're going to be talking, you know, a little bit more about this primary coming up. We're all sort of talked out about Seattle. Um, you know, you've heard us. We've we've given our highlights the race, the Seattle races that we wanted to highlight over the last few weeks here. Um, but you know, we brought in some ringers to talk about uh, that stuff. You know, outside of the city, that is just like a, a no man's land. You know, like with no idea what's going on out there at all. I mean, Cassidy does, but I don't. 
I know a little bit, but definitely not as much as y'all. So I'm super excited to dive in because, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the races in Seattle are hella important, but like we we know about it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like we would love to be enlightened on, you know, what we should be paying attention to, like who sucks, who doesn't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're excited. Well, first, um, well, uh, tell us about your organization. Well, the organization is kind of interesting. It started off as a bunch of organizations that were really freaked out about Trump trying to steal the election and trying to rig the census and all the anti-immigrant stuff that was happening, um, all that. And uh, I got they brought me on to do organizing around the census, and I felt it was important to go a little bit deeper than that. It's kind of funny because the census is literally the only place in the constitution that ever acknowledges the existence of black and brown people. And it did so very specifically to count black people as three fifths and uh, kind of uh, sidestep the whole issue of the ongoing campaign of genocide that was happening at the moment. Um, And so we were focused on telling the truth about that, the way that hierarchy of human value is literally built into the major institutions of the country and then this big fucking deal that um, we're a country that's going to be majority minority in a couple decades, but all our institutions are created for um, plutocratic rule and especially white minoritarian rule. So the country becomes majority minority by the 2040s. The majority of states don't become majority minority until the 2090s. So that's the Senate. That's the Electoral College and the presidency. Mm -hmm. That's the Supreme Court and the entire um, federal judiciary. And you're going to have what's a really fucked up situation now where it's just like minoritarian rule that then becomes very racialized when you have, you know, a 7-2 Supreme Court and uh, presidents are elected uh, all the time against the will of... uh, working class, black and brown, majority of the country. And so it was set up to... It is now, but worse. But way, yeah, Yeah. way Way worse. Um, Where where I think we, at that point, you you slip uh, back into literal apartheid um, is what our institutions are on their way to becoming. And then the big thing that they wanted to work on is, okay, we have kind of small micro versions of that. You know, we have uh, our own little aristocratic uh, Senate at the state level, we have all these issues at the local and state level, and those things are much easier to change than if you ever needed to uh, add states or restructure how Congress is elected. That's not really happening. Um, you can barely uh, get you know another person more healthcare. So <laughs> that's what the organization is focused on: is a uh, racial justice, uh, democracy work, uh, economic justice. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's rad. So, I mean, so how does that, like, you know, that's really, like you said, that's big picture and then going into Washington, like state leg and stuff like that. So like, what has y'all's focus been going into like 2021, like with this election cycle? I mean, I think this year we were focused on trying to actually uh, elucidate what's happening at the local level. And so uh, this is where Duji came in. Um, to actually write about all these small races and uh, all these political bites that are happening at the legislature that are really obscure. Unless you have a subscription to a newspaper, you really don't know about. And even if you do, you really don't want to read about. Um, And uh, 
So we started this newsletter called uh, the Tally to Track, um, like the capital gains tax and how that was going and other priorities for our members. And then now the next issue of the newsletter is going to be going through uh, all these new progressive candidates of color that are running and then the stakes in all the different places because that stuff then ends up affecting uh, you all who live in the metropolis. Right on. Um, so tell us yeah. did you about what you've been doing at the tally. Yeah. Um, so it started during the legislative session uh, as a lot of us were just demystifying the process. You know, um, session is complicated. Um, I've done several of them and I still, I feel like I have to relearn the rules every single time. Um, and now as we're sort of pivoting into uh, election season, um, I think we're trying to think through um, how to make uh, how to make sort of local races more accessible also. Um, right. And I think like what we're seeing, uh, what we know um, from the work that we've done and just living in the state uh, is that, you know, I know we're not going to talk about Seattle, but like, <laughs> you know, Seattle has probably the most diverse uh, sort of local and regional elected official um, in the state uh, uh, across the Washington you can count on one hand the number of people of color um, on county commissions um, and probably about the same number on city council, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet, I mean, there are no black Americans on the Seattle city council. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. For I the think, first time in a while. Yeah. As of uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think like, again, I think that's also just like another really great example of the yeah. way that like these uh, institutions are designed to sort of like, uh, be separate and like keep distance from uh, the way or like working class people like live um, because like working class people have always been uh, black and brown like, yeah. majority. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. yeah, no. And I mean, you know, obviously, like Greg said, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done in Seattle as well, but I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's, so it's night and day from Seattle to, you know, even if you just go 20, 30 miles outside of the city, it's just, um, I mean, there, there's no representation. And so like, why, I mean, can you kind of talk to us about like why that is and yeah, like what y'all are doing to try and break that down? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of big reasons that are hard to see, but, um, once you pay attention to them, you see how they work and essentially they work for whatever is the most dominant business interest. So one thing is we elect local candidates on off year elections. Everybody gets told in the year right before that that year is the most important election yeah. of their lives. Yeah. Uh, 2020 was the most important election of our lives. Right after 2016 was the most important right. election of our lives. So there were some uh, endorsement editorials in this town that said 2018 was the most important election. <laughs> no, that also, that no, 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 that was, that was that also, does that was also like, yeah. it's yeah. a tie. It's a tie between... <laughs> 2000 and every election four years after that <laughs> yeah, and yeah. some of them yeah. in between but basically when no one and when everybody has had this big fight and if you're a working class person you're tired of the news you're tired of uh elections and you just want to uh relax and pay attention to your life and now you have these local obscure races uh for sure mayor city council but you also have some fire commission mm -hmm. and some insurance commissioner and pretty soon School you just want to board. tune it out yeah. because mm -hmm. there's so obscure and abstract. So the first thing is the fact that business interests love that we have these local positions 
where their dollar goes a lot Good further and their amount is organized mm-hmm. yeah or seven mm-hmm. yeah I mean, when, 65 days a year, all the time. They're always organized. They can always put in the time. They can find the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when, when to come out, when, when people tune out, like insti- institutional forces consolidate, mm-hmm. right? Like it just becomes really easy to run the table um, with capital. Um, like all of the interests are sort of vested and sort of because of the way everything is structured, that means that you have um, white folks <laughs> with capital, with institutional power already. Right. So mm-hmm. whether that is, you know, center left to far right, like that's like all of your sort of white folks yeah. in um, every sort of local <laughs> race ever. <laughs> like that sort of, you know, they're already sort of set up um, to just step into that role. Um, they don't ever sort of have to tap out um, in the way that uh, um, in the way that like working people do. Right. <laughs> and they have real influence. Like if you get yeah. elected to be, you know, city council person in a city like Wenatchee, there's like very few things you can deliver on that people want you to deliver on. You can't right. raise the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you can't just, union, you know, help mm-hmm. unionize a whole sector. Like they have a real, um, you know, hold on those local positions because they can and take their business right over to the next city and punish you for it. And everyone know that you are, or, you know, place real blame on that local official. So that means you don't get great candidates. You have these off your elections. That's one. The second thing is you have single choice elections and you have uh, a primary and a general. Mm-hmm. So things that are m- much harder. So in the primary, um, typically people who are over 65, who tend to yep. be homeowners, who tend to have uh, investments and tend to be people who are connected to the business community or just politically identify that way are way overrepresented. People over 60 end up being up to 90% of yeah. the electorate in the primary. And then you, if you're a working class person, you do pay attention and you do care about your city council race. Now, instead of you being able to rank your candidates, you have to choose one or the other, um, which means that if you're out there trying to do something new or run on abolition um, and you're able to convince people of that idea, some of those people don't want to, you know, run that risk of some far right person. So you have single uh, choice elections and then you don't have proportional representation. So if you look at reason there's less than five county commissioners of color out of more than 130 county council and commission positions in the state is because they're all elected usually at large and uh, there's not proportional representation. You don't have it's like multi-member districts. You always have to get 50 percent plus one to win mm-hmm. of, the whole, um, of the whole county. Yeah, even though there might be a real constituency that's 25 yeah. percent of Benton County or wherever, mm-hmm. but that doesn't matter. Um, you know, they're going to get 0% of the representation every time across all three seats. And so that's how you get um, this very white uh, base of uh, local elected leaders that are very loyal to their local business. There's no way you could be a local elected official and not have to show up to the Chamber of Commerce's yeah. uh, events. And you know, it's easy for them to recruit because, you know, I mean, America's made up of, like, white uh, ex-servant small business people. <laughs> uh, like, they're just everywhere. And John you, Adams was one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be uh, a fucking genius to be a really successful fucking uh, representative for capital. You can be a, a fucking fail son, an idiot, like... Just a an absolute dumbass. Who but if you believe in yourself, believe in yourself, <laughs> and if 
if you demonstrate through your political commitments and your class position to the people of the chamber that you're going to take your cues from the, you know, what filters down to whatever the local sort of focus point of conservative, like capital politics is often that is the chamber that's, you know, there's shit filtering down from right wing think tanks from across the country, Mm. like everything you'll just get, whatever idea you need, whatever week, like whatever bill needs to come through, it's going to come to your desk already written. Right. Like it's going to, uh, like from Alec or whoever else, you know, and you can just be an idiot Um, (laughs) and be just like, yeah, Oh, the, the business people say, this is what we're going to do. Well, Yeah, no, not only do you not have to be, like, smart, but also it's, like, because of the nature of these races, like, um, you don't even have to run a good campaign, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like eight precincts as opposed to, like, hundreds in Seattle that you have to hit, you know, so many fewer voters. And so, you know, a little bit of cash from Capitol, like, you're good to go. You're set. You you just send a mailer. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think to, um, like, I think the third thing, too, is, like, which is related to the second thing, which is like, yes, capital consolidates um, and institution mm-hmm. forces consolidate and like the structures, the literal structures of yes. democracies are yes. set up to disenfranchise right. um, you know, um, voters like black and brown voters, right. even uh, even if in like Washington state, like we have maybe uh, the safest, like most accessible democracy in the country, like we're still you know, we don't have ranked choice voting, like the districts yeah. are uh, gerrymandered in such a way to like cut uh, communities of color um in half like constantly yeah. Yeah. um like just like the literal structures uh of like democracy are designed um to keep us yeah, marching towards apartheid yeah more people can vote but they're still voting in a system that's not set up to elect the leaders of their choice exactly yeah well and i mean you know another point too going back to seattle is like you know in seattle we have democracy vouchers and so not only does that give vo- like voters a voice but it allows like, you know, candidates of color to actually fucking be able to run a viable race, like still work if they need to or or do their campaign. Like other if you're running in Bothell or in Spokane or something like there's not democracy vouchers like you have to fund your own campaign, either through capital or through small do- dollar donations or, you know, so obviously the easiest path to success is capital. Um so, I mean, you know, obviously, yeah, there's things like ranked choice voting, like um, democracy vouchers, things like that. Um, what about, so yeah, going back to like even year voting, I know in Oregon, they do even year voting. Um, so, I mean, like, is that some, like, is that even in the realm of possibility here? Like, yeah, that's one of the big things that we pushed for in the legislature was uh, something called the local options bill, so that if your city or county wanted to move their elections to, uh, years, even years mm-hmm. where they're going to get more turnout, more young people, more workers, more people of color. You could do that. Right now, the state bans cities, uh, most wow. cities and most counties from even having the option of moving to elections where there are going to be more voters that show up. And that bill got killed. Um, wow. uh, like, never got on the floor in the House. And um, I mean, why is that? It's because, you know, most yeah. candidates don't want that accessibility. They don't want it to be easier for people to vote, even blue progressives, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, uh, there's next year. We're coming for them in, in January. Yeah, yeah. Our, uh, hell yeah. Subscribe to the tally. Cool. Hell, hell yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 then you'll know. Yeah. So, okay, so obviously we 
you want to get into like what the interesting races are that you think are going out there, but like let's set the table here a little by talking about like what makes this year, 2021, this off off year election, uh, what makes it different than maybe others that have come before where we've got, you know, again, we've been talking about Seattle here. We got the, the, all the citywide city government offices are up, but like that's, there's lots of county positions up everywhere and all kinds of city councils and stuff. Um, what is like, how do we contextualize the fact? I mean, I want to hear from you guys. I think the top at my list is that the last year is got to be one of the biggest years for people giving a shit about local government, like for decades in America, because all of the, for all the unprecedented reality of 2020, the uprisings in particular, uh, the conversation in a weird, in a way that is strange. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it was seemingly lots of places basically like focused on local city and county governments because that's how the stormtroopers are employed. That's how the jackbooted thugs of the state for the most part in the way that they interact with people in their daily life are basically employed by city and county governments. And so that's what the conversation is about. So people are, people, people know the names of their mayors and maybe one or two city councilors in the, up to a level that I would guess has probably never been true ever yeah. in America. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, to take a step back for a second, like the politics is like the last realm where, where cultural change ever happens. Right. Um, and to that point, like all of the uh, uprisings that have happened in the last year have just like really radically changed the way people are thinking about local government. Right. Mm-hmm. Like to your point, I think what you're seeing is like this generational civil rights movement. Um, one where like we fa- we saw protests in every county, all 39 counties in Washington state. Right. Um, wow. Which is like. Like Aston yeah. yeah. County, like Douglas yeah. County was like, yes, yeah. like some, this shit yeah. is fucked up, you know? Fucking yeah, like yeah. Um, Whitman County was yeah. like, Marcus Whitman County. County, baby. <laughs> like, was like, this that's shit that's, is that's my up. county, nothing yeah. but respect to my county. <laughs> um, so I think like what you're seeing now is like a real time rewriting of like what, um, what qualifications look like to like run for local office, right? Yeah. We're, we're also talking about like a really active, um, reframing of like what public health looks like or public safety looks like um, in a way that we're, you know, explicitly talking about divesting from uh, carceral and policing systems that harm communities and like investing in communities. Um, uh, and like that is so dramatically different <laughs> than anything we've ever seen before. Um, and you see that in like candidates from like Spokane to Vancouver, right? Everyone is sort of running on like what on police or on some version of police reform. Yeah. Um, you have multiple progressives running uh, in for the same seats in these like city council races and um, housing people um, and uh, like decriminalizing poverty um, are like really explicit things that they're talking about. Um, so, wow. you know, I think like all of this is all of this is like cultural change that has been bubbling for decades, too. I, I think like it would be wrong to also suggest that like it just wasn't the last year. Right. Like the yeah. no new youth jails movement has been around for totally. a decade. Right. Yeah. right? Um, and that's sort of what I mean, where like politics is like the last place where all of this changes, because like this has been happening for a while. Um, what happened in the last year was like the mainstreaming of just like the explicit terms of abolitionism um, in a way that right, like we elected a 
queer black abolitionists to the state legislature last year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so now we're like actively, I think, looking at um, what that means uh, at a local level, right? Like we're thinking about like the sheriffs, what sheriffs do in yeah. a different way, what prosecutors do in a different way. Um, and now like people know not even just one or two uh, city council members, but like people might know who their county council members are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is like a whole other threshold. Gotta be disturbing to those <laughs> county council members. Yeah. <laughs> those are people who've been no, that, that is not people. by design. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, not exactly. at all. Well, I think like in this town, in, in Seattle at least, I think like you were saying, like this doesn't come out of nowhere, of course. Like, so the uprisings obviously were welling up out of a lot of places and, you know, from a lot of felt injustice. And But in this town, I think we saw some of the most sort of organized and concrete actions around. Uh, and that comes from lots of people sort of organizing on these issues for many, many years. Like, you know, well, this is, I'm talking about Nikki to Oliver, the people they organize with. You know, we've talked about them and and that history on this podcast. And, you know, and so a lot of people are ta- were tapped in and sort of primed and ready for that. And on a, you know, on a looser level, and then a core group of people, you know, ready to do the organizing and make it happen. And then if you've been listening to this podcast, even before uh, 2020, uh, oh, you, you definitely knew what sheriffs do. <laughs> right. And prosecutors yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, I think people have been watching that happen too. And then, you know, as soon as they find out that the county commissioner is an idiot who got voted in by a couple hundred votes yeah, and they see Nikita do what they did. And people don't understand this, you know, because if you live in Seattle, you think, okay, the Seattle times is a local paper or people are reading Crossgrade, the stranger. There are people who were reading that, you know, in central and Eastern Washington, yes. Southwest Washington too. Like those people get um, that news and they're, seeing proven ways, you know, like when Kirsten Harris Tally ran, they're seeing a game plan in a way that they can run on that and contextualize it for the community and their the issues that are reported there. Okay, and, that's a mind blowing concept. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well and I think like that move, that like gesture, right, is one that like is like born out of necessity, right? Like we were talking earlier about like all of the sort of the way the structural forces are aligned in such a way that like prevent the building of political will, like for communities mm-hmm. of color in particular. But like what we're seeing now is like um, because of like decades of bubbling up and then this like really sort of truly once in a generation like moment where like all that bubbling up was funneled into like really direct and strict organizing yeah. and sort of the continuation of that into politics. Like you're seeing, you're seeing that in the candidates who are running now, right? Like I think you're, you see, um, four black women running for King County Council positions, yeah. right? Um, you're seeing one black woman running uh, in Snohomish. Um, if any of them were elected, it'd be the first black woman at Washington State to be elected to any county council. Um, wow. And, and you're seeing like a, a really diverse field of candidates like across the uh, across the state. I'm really excited about this Pakistani immigrant who's running for city council in Spokane. You know, uh, Nick um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're just... So I think like what's really interesting is like we're talking about and we absolutely need these like structural solutions like ranked choice voting, like yeah, districting right. in like a way that is actually representational. Um, and with even in the absence of that, like you still see communities like trying to like yeah. build political will, put forth solutions that like actually like work and matter to them. And like that extends to like putting forward candidates that like actually represent um, their interests. Yeah. And Nagman running in Spokane, like some people don't know, but 
one of the big things that's happening in Spokane now is um, the local chamber of commerce and the realtors are really upset about the Nagmanas run for city council on uh, cool. a platform of police reform. And then there's another great candidate, uh, Lou Hill, who's a black woman who's running to um, also get on the, Sp- on the Spokane city council. And this is at a city where they fired their uh, public health director um, huge uh, controversy over there in the middle of a pandemic where Spokane cases were spiking. And also this is Spokane uh, where the police department uh, purposefully and intentionally used killology uh, training for their police officers. Um, <laughs> there's this uh, kook online. Oh, yeah. Who, yeah, the killology guy. That's... Killology, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ideology, <laughs> ideology of, of peace officers. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Those guys are fucking psycho, and that's what they're that's what they're up against. Um, but they have a real shot of uh, winning this year, and that's definitely one place that people should be uh, checking out for Absolutely. the primary to, to see how they perform. Yeah, yes. no. Uh, some so the campaign workers on both of their staff, um, you know, kind of like what we're talking about before. They saw what we were able to do in Seattle with unionizing campaign workers. And they said, you know what? Why the fuck? Why can't we do it too? Um, so yeah, Negmana was the first unionized campaign ever in Eastern Washington. Then Lou came next. And yeah, like they're just showing that like, it's not just Seattle. You know what I mean? Whether it be like running on like defunding police, like paying your campaign workers, you know, whatever it be. It's like, we can replicate this in other areas. We just haven't done it yet. Well, I think that like what that also exposes and like, you know, having worked in politics long enough, like I've always been really skeptical of the way people talk about like the rural urban divide. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I think like what holds true is that like when you have solutions that work for communities that like come from communities and are like, we're going to do this because this works for us or we're suggesting that we should do this because it works for us or we want to elect this person because they work for us. Like, it doesn't actually matter where that community is located, like whether there are skyscrapers in the background or wheat fields, right? Like, like that is a move that, um, like, I don't know, I like, I, I had a chance to work for Kirsten Harris Talley and like mm-hmm. our, our thing was like, if you start policymaking from that spot, like then it has to be progressive, right? Like if you start from the position of like, does this policy come from the people who are the most affected by it? Um, does it work for them? Then, like by by definition, it is that, and like that works in Eastern Washington. They yes. might not call it progressivism. They right. might not call it like you know we can call it whatever the fuck we want. But like what it is, it's like it's just community based organizing. That works. Yeah, mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, we're talking about Spokane a little bit, but I think let's you know let's dive into the 2021 candidates and like who we should be paying attention to so um i'd love to talk about like races in king county first um one that has really piqued our interest is the SeaTac races um so do you want to indulge us in the mess that's going on out there yeah so <laughs> you know we started earlier about talking about this possible future where you have not just the majority as we do right now where the majority is subjected to minority rule that is uh, lined with capital and aligned with uh, like just the establishment white power structure. And that's in SeaTac right now, which is in King County, um, a small place where it's very working class, majority minority city. And until uh, just a couple years back had white right wing Trumpist 
um, majority on the city council and uh, and uh, in the mayor's seat. And now finally, the uh, there's a couple people um, who've gotten to city council and now they're trying to potentially get a majority that's actually representative of SeaTac. And while they're doing that, they're facing uh, some of the most extreme candidates in two of the races. Um, I'm sure like people have kept up. There's been uh, like a huge just people led manhunt to find out who was on uh, Gen 6. And, you know, you find out yeah, that there's police yeah. officers in Seattle. Mm-hmm. In SeaTac, there's two candidates who are part of the Jan 6 insurrection, <laughs> who are running that, for oh city council uh, against awesome. um, working class <sighs> and candidates of color. Wow. So there's uh, one of them is running against Jake Simpson, a uh, union guy, um, mm-hmm. trying to uh, win in that seat. The other is running against uh, a woman of color named uh, Iris, um, Iris Guzman, yeah. um, who's there. And the, the Chuds... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One of them, Chad one and Chad two. Oh, yeah, yeah, Chad, Chad one is uh, yeah. Kearney, uh, who people found Facebook pictures of them on uh, at the insurrection. The other against they, were they doing anything cool though? Uh, they were expressing themselves. Yeah, right, right, right. right. That's cool. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. expressing themselves and uh, taking part in the law. Yeah, uh, five hundred constitutional right. They were. Yeah. They were Doing direct action and getting the fucking goods. Oh my god, me. That's the correct uh, analysis. Some chairs. Yeah. 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 Some pillows. Podiums. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know. You're getting you the end- goods for the gram. Absolutely. Right. And if you end up hanging the vice president, that's just. That's true. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. 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 It's like you go to visit a city, uh, you have your own plans, but sometimes you get a neat surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the other one is uh, uh, Kong Lafau, uh, running against Guzman. So that's a race to watch. It hasn't gotten a lot of media attention. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's uh, a small city, like uh, mostly Latino and uh, East African uh, immigrant community. And that's something to watch um, for how those those candidates perform. And if you got a couple of dollars, you should throw them at a totally. Yeah. Guzman. Awesome. Yeah. So like SeaTac, uh, like you were saying, majority minority, very working class. Uh, it's also, I mean, the first uh, $15 minimum wage in America, which yeah. was that an initiative. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That, so you guys know like what, the character of the 2020 uprisings took down there or any interesting like do we know like what the struggle against oh yeah there was marches they tried to during the pandemic uh a shop of local um small businesses immigrant run businesses were trying to be shut down in part led by uh this reactionary um city council and you know, that's part of actually how some of the candidates are running now. Um, there's both that, and it also kind of shows that people have learned that the opposite and uh, opportunity there is with having these elections in low turnout years is also if you can organize, yeah, yeah. it Absolutely. doesn't take a lot for you to win power. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're going up against uh, chuds who are smart enough to try to overthrow the federal <laughs> government by, um, 
marching around at the Capitol and making sure to post pictures for the feds on Facebook so <laughs> on they can Facebook, find it later. Yeah. That's the thing. Because like I said earlier, like you can be a great like toady for Capitol and be an idiot, but like depends on like how aggressively stupid you are. Like if you're <laughs> like causing a lot of trouble, like that's gonna be a different story. The perfect sort of uh representative of the central committee of the capital class is like very dumb but just like doesn't say or do much unless they're told you know and these the types who like of their own initiative to like book flights to dc and like uh try to impale the capital police with a um uh, an american flag um you know, I mean, first off, my hat's off to them. And secondly, like, probably not, probably not, like, the right material to get um, the work of the chamber done. Yeah, also, yeah. a building isn't the government. That's a big mistake. Yeah, big mistake. That, um, that, you're not going to seize power by taking the nice chair. No. Yeah, not in America. I mean, there have been moments in history where maybe that has been a good move. Uh, but no, no, that's not, uh, that's not happening, no. <laughs> Okay, so the other South King County um, race I am interested in, or races, are so Kent City Council and Kent Mayor. Would love to hear about those. Uh, is that Cliff? Yeah, Cliff, Cliff and Don. Cliff yeah. and Don. Uh, yeah, those are um, those are races I'm like particularly interested in. I think both of them um, have a ton of uh, community support and yeah. um, I think like institutional backing as well, which is like what makes them, I think like, really... no, Cl so I don't know Don, but like, I know Cliff, mm -hmm. he's legit. Like, yeah, that's, that's someone that like, if you're looking to door knock or whatever, like that's, this is a candidate who can win. Absolutely. Like they just need support. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on those races or. Uh, that's one where you're also going to go from a kind of like, stalled liberal mm -hmm. like million mouthy um city council to one where you actually get a majority that can move on stuff yeah especially yeah. with the more like i think what people understand too is um those cities can't rent in uh burien SeaTac. they also suffer the worst of the county um sheriff's office and sbd because a disproportionate amount of uh, police shooting civilians happen uh, in uh, in South King County, and so Cliff is running on um, great policies for police accountability, yeah. and having Don in the executive's office there would be huge. And I think she would probably be the first Black mayor. Um, cut. Wouldn't surprise me. Wow. I mean, I think also like everything you're saying about the city level, we're talking about city yeah. level stuff is like also true of the county level races. Yeah, no, originate. let's talk about the county stuff. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, again, like it's easy for us to kind of go to city council because that's mm -hmm. kind of what, you know, if you are familiar with local politics, like that's probably where you've started. But yeah, county, like yeah. even I don't really know what the fuck's going on there. <laughs> like, first off, like what does county council do? Oh, you know what I mean? Question. Yeah, I mean, uh, so. County Council, a majority of their budget goes towards uh, policing and locking people up. That's could, I, so you could just guess that. I mean, right, just like being, being America. It's really like 75% of the budget. You're basically like warden of a jail yes. and you provide after-school programs. Yeah, In cool. a jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, starting, like, I think we can start at the top, right? Mm -hmm. We have the King County executive race. Mm -hmm. um, we have our first like sort of serious challenger to Dow Constantine since uh, his 
race to become executive. Yeah. yeah. Um, in uh, state senator Joe Wynn, mm-hmm. uh, born and raised in the White Center. Um, you know, I think that's like a really. I think that's like an. You know going back to our conversation about like what it means to sort of build political will in communities yeah. that you come from, I think that's like a pretty good test case, um, you know, where like what Joe is proposing is really like an orientation towards governing. Yes. Right. Um, one where that, like where the policies, uh, it's something, it's something that I noticed that's really fascinating is like all of the Constantine, uh, responses to sort of outreach to community is like mm-hmm. it's a priority across every single department across every single team and not necessarily what you want from the county which is which is i i yes because it is a tacit uh admission that you've done it we're, we're putting the <laughs> like, sheriff's department on this one. <laughs> it's like, it's like we're on. doing we're doing community we have we like we have to do community outreach on every single policy priority area that we have because we did not go ahead and start from there right yeah. like that's like the tacit admission which i think is like super fascinating about that um fourth time's the charm though so first term you're just you're you're getting oriented, right? Chilling. First day of school, <laughs> those four years, just figuring out where you're the just bathroom. Convincing yourself that this is real. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, second term, you're still learning for sure, uh, and and you're trying some things out, but you have uh, you know training wheels on. You're selling the status quo to the people, right? right? And you're like, listen, you just reelected me. That means the status quo is good, and you like it. Absolutely, and but also change, but also uh, change, but not too much, and right. the right kind for the right people. Yes. Third term, you're really warming up, so you got to get the fourth term, so then you can implement. That's what the fourth term is for. Yeah, yeah, um, and only when you didn't get the job that you wanted. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the county council races are actually, I think, probably for me, the most fascinating things at yeah. the county level, because yeah. I think it's exactly what um, Kamal was talking about at the city level, where you have like a real opportunity, like all of the sort of center left to far right uh, county council members are up for election this yeah. year. Um, and all but District 3 has um, serious challengers. Um, and a couple of them have like multiple progressives in the race. Wow. Um, and you know, there's an opportunity to replace all of those people with a woman of color. Yeah. And like real progressives, like including, I mean, the way for people who don't know uh, about county government, there's three Republicans um, who are there. So that's a third of the county council. If you want to pass anything, you need to get to five votes and you essentially have um, like prom candidates, one of whom is uh, up for re-election, Dave Up the Grove being challenged by uh, oh, Shukri. I mean, technically he's not. No, yes. no, he's not. He's oh, not one yeah, of the Republicans, yeah, but he's right. one of the he's, ones yeah. who you cannot rely on right. at all. At all. Yeah. And we just had this experience because we were trying to um, actually reform the way county council elections are. There's only been, since you know Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, county was incorporated in 1969, there's been four people of color total elected, um, one Asian American, three black guys, uh, no, no black women, that's no Latinos. Right. And part of it is because you only have one majority minority district. Yep. That's in the historic bathroom of the growth. Right. And uh, well, now it's now it's in the, the Gurmai seat, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there's people like that who are just sailing through and, you know, it's much harder for communities to get elected because you're a minority of that electorate, even though people of color might make up uh, a fourth right. of 
King County Council, they only have the ability to directly elect a candidate in one out of nine seats. So that's something to watch because people like Germay and uh, others who tend to like side with them, like Gene Kowals or others, mm-hmm. like they they need to get better, yeah, better people. And yeah, and I think you know, uh, again, like back to like, there's just a ton of attention being paid, I think, on how um, local uh, funding uh, is spent, given how much of the budget at the county level is spent on criminal justice. Um, given also, you know, last year's uh, county initiatives uh, like that that were meant to, that did restructure the sheriff's office, yes. right? Um, yeah. Like, you know, there is an appetite for that. So like, I think like there are some really interesting headwinds, headwinds going into this cycle where I think people are primed um, for the county council in a way um, that they haven't before. Um, so, you know, I think like, you know, we could look up a couple of weeks from now um, and I think you could see some like really impressive showings from, yeah. um, I think actually the person I'm like really interested in and not, the, not on the primary ballot, Shukri Olo, um, who is challenging Dave. Yeah. Um, but because there's only two of them, right. they're not they're on the going primary right through. ballot, they're yeah. going straight to the general. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean like, yeah, it just is going to be really, really interesting. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, from Joe to the, uh, county council candidates who like come from community i think you've got uh, an opportunity to like also address like regional problems right in a way that like currently like is not working right like people don't want to work with the people that are there right now so like you know i think you've got a chance to flip all of these uh stalling no that's exciting so going back really quickly to joe's race for executive Mm -hmm. so you know, he's a sitting state senator. Like, mm-hmm. this is a legit candidate. Um, yet, like, I have seen messaging from Dow's campaign basically saying, like, this is a, a, a did he say, like, a junior senator, inexperienced. <laughs> and it's just like, what the fuck? Like, well, it's messed up when it's messed up. your former intern tries to take your job. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Especially <laughs> after they beat uh, your former chief of staff for the Senate seat. Yeah. So No, I'm, and yeah, so for people who don't know that, you know, like, I mean, I don't know what the fundraising numbers are right now, but I'm sure Dow is, you know, killing it um, compared to Joe. But I mean, Joe has won a seat in a race where he was outspent, right? Yeah. 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 He was the underdog. More than four to one. Yeah. Um, Dow's former chief of staff was running. They were getting all, all the attention and pulled an upset and uh, trying to go for trying to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the question that you asked? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. It's <laughs> to the point of like sort of. Uh, I mean, I think what's funny. So I work in political communications and I think what's funny about most political communications like just sort of tells on itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that one, I feel like tells on itself because it's like you just like can't respond to the substance of the stuff so like you can only resort to like this person like i think the other like real irony there is that like that was a state legislator right before (laughs) before he he decided that he was going to take on the incumbent king county executive Um, his his theory of of executive politics is you just need to keep the incumbent in as long as possible because they're the ones with the experience so, of doing nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah. You don't yeah. want to experience. Joe has the wrong experience because uh, he gets up there and starts passing things. Right. Um, <laughs> like taxes on the rich. And that, that's no good. Yeah. So maybe I'll take us on another sort of detour here of like you were saying. Um, so what So what do you think are the possibilities for um, 
ranked choice voting coming back and, and being meaningfully implemented in King County? I mean, the next option is going to be um, either a initiative statewide or actually trying to lift the ban on ranked choice voting, which is just a tool of disenfranchisement um, in and of itself. Lift that ban through the state legislature during the upcoming session. And then the third way, um, which we're exploring now, is Voting Rights Act challenges. Because this isn't just like, okay, Kamal left this and asked, like, you know, these electoral reform <laughs> ideas. But you can literally measure how much votes are being, uh, votes people call are being diluted. And not only is the King County Council possibly in violation of the Voting Rights Act, because people of color are, you know, um, 40% of the county and only able to elect the leader of the choice in one out of nine seats. Yeah. Um, you can look at Yakima right now, the Voting Rights Act uh, challenge going on there that Washington Community Alliance organizations are a part of, like One America, are um, they're challenging the county uh, commission. So these are three um, seats all at large in Yakima County that includes the largest uh reservation and a tribe in Washington state, the Yakima nation, and um, a growing um, Latino population. And those are two communities that would normally be pitted against each other to try and elect a county commission seat. So they sued the county and the remedy that they are seeking from the judge is not districts or a majority minority district because that's just going to pit two communities of color together. They're asking for ranked choice voting for that county. And oh, that's shit. currently the only way that a lot of localities can move to um, ranking candidates rather than being forced into a single choice is that they can sue under the Voting Rights Act. Other places are not vulnerable for this. The Pierce County Council right now, which is all white um, and lots of other jurisdictions. And so I think wow. people are going to see more communities uh trying to go that route and use the Washington Voting Rights Act to get the electoral forms that they need. And that would make local elections a lot more exciting. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people in Seattle that wish they could ring candidates right now. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a lot of, um, you know, what you're saying is electing people of uh, color, immigrants, and, you know, all of that um, is, like, really awesome. But it seems like there's also, like, a deeper analysis of, like, you know, We've seen, especially in Seattle, um, you know, people of color who are still agents of of capital too. So I was just wondering, like, just um, how you kind of incorporate just other other aspects of your analysis as well in into that equation too, and make sure that we don't run into like a Lori Lightfoot situation or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, for the candidates that we're talking about, those are the ones that have gotten vetted by organizations that are asking about that stuff. Um, and are making sure that, and have the most at stake to not have candidates of color who then are just, you know, covering up for this. And the last newsletter we wrote um, was actually uh, like a bum list of state legislators, uh, including one of the members of, one of the people who was part of the Members of Color Caucus, who does uh, a lot of behind the scenes um, corporate work. Shout out Steve Hobbs, he's also on the Roadkill Caucus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think to that point, I think we said all, uh, not all skin folks, skin folks, skin folks. 
Um, but I do think like, I mean, you know, to your question of like the limits of identity politics, I think like it gets back to how we started the conversation where like, you know, we're maybe in this moment where like a lot of communities are putting forward um, their ideas, their candidates, there's like sort of maximized political will, but like without the structural solutions to ensure that that happens long term. Um, you know, and even getting back to the earliest parts of our conversation, like I think the work that we're interested in doing at the WCA is like integrating democracy into everyday life in a way that like yeah. it currently is not, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's like a structural problem, right? Because how you solve for um, how you solve for the limits of identity politics is like ensuring that the policies that we're talking about, the policies that have a real shot at passing, are also the like the distance between the people who are affected by those policies. Right. Um, right. The passage of those policies is as short as possible, right? Absolutely. People will ask right. about like you can't you can't uh, be a personal car, get into office, and um, then switch up and not get criticism. Like, there's a reason that people know Lori Lightfoot's name. Right. Yeah, like, right, right. There's a lot of black yeah. people in Chicago that are letting people know, like she's going to be Eric Adams too. Yeah, right. yeah, and um, just having that kind of point that continuous check is is important and you're seeing that now like in Tacoma for example like lots of black women are running including Jamika Scott is running is putting forward a long shot bid for mayor against yeah. uh Victoria Woodards who's the incumbent mayor there and you know she's at least been they have a weak mayor system so there's not a lot of things that the mayor can do but she hasn't been willing to fire or call for the resignation of the city manager after the botching of um, the Maniela's case and just like the belligerent way that the Tacoma Police Union has responded. Um, we have her running and then uh, the other candidates that are also trying to form a, at least a reform majority on okay. the city council, I think you could call it. Mm -hmm. It's a different place with you know much steeper politics to go. But Kiara Daniels, Ann Artman, um, those people you got in the council, you know, they might not be the abolitionists that um, people yeah, are very excited for. But the yeah. police union is very much not wanting them yeah, to be on the council. Right. Um, and I think it's, there's also a kind of difference where the stakes are high and the police unions are so entrenched that even wearing them down with um, like stripping accountability loopholes out of their union contracts is something they're willing to spend a lot of money against. Not just at, in Tacoma, but there's also like the Eastside and County races yeah. are, are the same way police they're are also getting involved. They're also fucking nuts. <laughs> like, I, I, I'd be wary of like, you know, using their feelings about anyone as a barometer. I mean, the, the you know, Spog has nothing good to say about Jenny Durkin, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, their only friend in the city. Uh, so, yeah, they're fucking crazy. So they're going to, like, oppose basically anyone who isn't kissing their ass. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's at least, that's, you know, it's a positive direction anyway in some of those places. Oh, yeah, and for a week left, like, yeah, you're just, yeah. we're just seeing how for decades all of these offices have been dominated by people who are just, like, unwilling to challenge power at all. Right. And we're at the very beginning of people who are at least connected or have respect for mm -hmm. uh, the abolitionist movement, working class movements um, getting there and the ability to then 
shape the contours of debate that they can work in um, and operate in. And then hopefully actually have the kind of level of organizations we may forget where you have lots of people are going to volunteer for a campaign. You have publicly financed campaigns and then uh, leftists who can really buy for power yeah. in those places. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, bef- like, I know we were just talking about Tacoma, but before we move on from King County entirely, um, would love to touch on the Bothell races. Um, so yeah, like what's, what's going on with them? Bothell. I mean, yeah. that's my, that's my home. Mm-hmm. Where are from? <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you know about the races that are going on? What do you Absolutely watch for? There's <laughs> <laughs> no idea. There's a little bit. live there anymore. Um, so what I know is, so I know, I know of, uh, like three candidates that I don't, I don't know if they're challenging incumbents or what, but, um, so again, like through the union, we were actually able to put together a slate of, um, these Bothell progressive candidates who are running on like, you know, uh, defund sort of, uh, principles, um, to where, you know, like these these campaigns, like they wouldn't have been able to uh, hire or afford like unionized campaign staff on their own. But we basically did like a slate so that all of them work together, like same messaging, canvassing, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, like I'd love to hear more about like what's going on in Bothell and like why do they need like that representation? Yeah, I mean, to Duji's point, there were people who in their own way participated in the uprisings everywhere across the state, including some, uh, including, you know, Eastern County and some of these smaller cities. So there's three candidates who are running on a platform of police accountability. Rami Al-Kabra, um, Palestinian-American, Hantran, and uh, Jean Alderks. And those are people who they got in there. Certainly the police unions um, losing their minds and trying very hard to not have them get elected. And if they got there, they could do some of the um, simple stuff like be at the negotiating table uh, for their union contracts and not let them just uh, write their own laws and loopholes for accountability. And the same thing is happening in Bellevue uh, of all places. There's um, Ruth Lipscomb, who's um, been an activist for uh, a long time and organizing um, and has been foying the the local um, the Bellevue PD to get more information about what, what they're up to and she can see anybody else running. She's running. And wow. uh, there's another candidate of color who's uh, also running. And they're like the police units are, are getting involved, putting money That's... against them. And those are the kinds of people, I think, you know, even before they knew about all that, it started with her testifying at the Bellevue City Council last year. And that put, uh, put her on the police union's radar. And so... Those are definitely races where I think people should be watching. Um, That's very interesting because, like, it's axiomatic uh, when you're talking about Seattle politics that, like, the most, the people, the right wingers most obsessed with Seattle politics um, actually live in Bellevue. Yeah. Yeah. Or (laughs) Snohomish. Yeah. And so I guess that makes me, in some ways, maybe uncritically assume that it's, like, major, um, like, business chud territory. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I'm sure it's like any other place. There's a lot of work. I know there's a lot of working people who live there. Um, and Well, I mean, I think, you know, speaking of places where the um, democracy has to catch up with the people who actually right. live there. Like, I think, like, you know, you look at the east side, you look at Redmond um, and Bellevue, and it's like, 
Redmond is like pretty quickly becoming a majority minority city, right? Yeah. Um, but like that is not reflected in yeah. the uh, city government apparatus right. because like most of those are immigrants in the last, you know, five years, right? Yeah. Or um, even, I mean, like Utah Bothell, you know, you wouldn't know this, but it's the most diverse college campus in our state. Um, and I mean, we've seen like wow. some gnarly police brutality shit go down in Bothell, you know, so it shouldn't be surprising to us that like, you know, some candidates were inspired to get up and do the thing. Um, and like something that I think is interesting, too, is like these three candidates have been endorsed by the local Democratic Party, the first district there. And so, I mean, it's not just like, you know, people like us who are like, oh, yeah, right. these candidates are rad. Like they're picking up traction like mainstream as well. Yeah. So that. um well, I mean, that's going to be interesting. Maybe that's how we'll finish up this discussion already is talking about, like, where does this all go? Yeah. Where does it go? And, like, I mean, I think this is a lot of these races, anyone where anyone's running, you know, with or against the cops is going to be a referendum on it's how we we haven't seen an election, a local election. We've seen the uh, national election. 2020, but we haven't seen local elections where these, like we said, where these like jackbooted thugs are funded and operated out of. We have not seen the people who authorize them to do that up for elections since the uprisings. So just figuring out like where, how much appetite is there for you know, yeah. abolition or anything else? Yeah. Uh, and how much backlash is there? Like, we're going to learn that in, you know, this year. Oh, I mean, it's happening. I think we can round it out with kind of the last few races to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Gigi had mentioned just how uh, white, like, um, very uh, Kinko's paper white, <laughs> uh, these, um, like, the, the demographics of people in local office are in one of the big races uh, to watch is in Vancouver. Um, yes. Yeah. Fourth largest city in the state and the largest one that still has an all-white city council. And uh, Dana Perez is um, vying to be uh, first person of color to serve on that kind of council. And this is also in Clark County, which uh, when it had larger turnout, um, also had like one of the few counties where Trump really uh, turned out record numbers, even more than 2016. And also a place where you've had um, like the Clark County Sheriff's uh, shooting unarmed um, black and brown or working class people. And then the others are uh, the judicial races and the school board races. Yeah. So in the peninsula in Walla Walla, there's school board races and it's like the typical shit you would expect like a lot of uh, critical race theory attacks against black women who are um, running there. And these are now like far right uh, vaccine skeptical um, candidates, candidates that are running on specifically never allowing the schools to ever close or be closed. Hell yeah. Uh, Education is the most important thing. Yeah, we gotta we gotta educate our children, and we gotta keep them the fuck out of the house because yeah, we don't exactly. want to deal with them. Yeah, polio, mumps, and uh, COVID nineteen is just the price you pay to uh, <laughs> learn your times tables. Well, I mean, by the same logic, then having them indoctrinated with critical race theory, you know, could really 
should really be another price. Is that not a disease? (laughs) (laughs) Where's the vaccine for that? Right. (laughs) But those are um, those are races to to watch if you want to get uh, really wonky. And then the last are municipal judge races because no one fucking pays attention to this. No one. But um, Gloria Choa Burke and Spokane judges. No, that can't be. I know. I'm like I'm really fascinated by Gloria's race. I mean, just her bio. She's a a Mexican immigrant who was inspired to become a judge uh, or to enter law because of a pro bono lawyer who helped her family. Right. Um, yeah. And she's like a really sort of like on the record as like an activist judge who believes yeah. that like, um, you know, judges can't be like processors of the law, but like um, that like they have the judges have to be a part of like making solutions within you know the bounds of jurisprudence or whatever. It's real weird that like that's a novel approach since like the whole like concept of a judge is like you're like, okay, you understand like the law isn't all knowing, it's not a machine, it can't operate that, so we're gonna invest actual human beings with the power to make decisions with people standing in front of them. And the entire, which, you know, sort of makes some amount of uh, administrative sense. Um, And the entire, but the entire rest of our system has been designed to uh, shut down any sort of creativity or a search for justice or like anything from judges who instead think their job is basically, I mean, it's like anything else that serves capital. It, it recruits a lot of the dumbest, craziest people too. And but yeah. then their job is just to sort of put just put people in jail, just fuck poor people and put oh, yeah. in jail. Just go, you know, rubber stamp whatever the prosecutor says. Offer no uh, pushback that isn't demanded by, uh, say, defense counsel. You know, which uh, you know, it's like we were well last week we were, we had. Uh, Nicole Thomas Kennedy on talking about you know running Seattle City Attorney talking about the nature of prosecutorial discretion that this is a lot of power that's invested that is not used and it's the same side on the prosecutor side it's the same on the judges they have enormous power to like ask questions to get at the heart of things to make rulings that uh, for the most part in American justice doesn't happen they just sit there and if say in you know in criminal court unless a defense attorney really like makes a case for something they're not going to bring it up something they may they could just do on their own without you know needing to do that i mean a judge can sit there and say you know mr prosecutor your whole case looks stupid why are you here but they don't do that you know? no and and it's one of the few positions where you know it's dominated by reactionary interests that want to see that you've been like a proven hard ass. Oh yeah, about yeah. it. So it's like prosecuted. The bench is like full of prosecutors yeah. who've you know been throwing the book at people mm-hmm. um, their entire careers, or but people ones, coming out of the big prosecutors law. who were hard on, tough on crime, but have no charisma and thus were not recruited by the Democratic Party <laughs> to run for higher office. They're the dullest hard on crime prosecutors. <laughs> yeah. Get to be judges. The sort of dim, sort of stupid-looking, like, ones who can't really form sentences get to be judges, and then the others run for office as Democrats and become, like, you know, senators. Oh, totally. And you know how they say that, like, uh, Washington, D.C. is Hollywood for ugly people? Uh, the judicial <laughs> bench is for even uglier so, people who can't get out. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> The bench is Washington, D.C. for ugly <laughs> And so, like, they're full of these terrible interests. No one really pays attention to the re- these races, and... Uh, 
last year we, we got involved in uh, Superior Court um, judicial races, one, because disproportionately the people who are on the terrible end of this are working class black and brown people. For last year's Superior Court races, these are the courts that um, are countywide and they deal two thirds of their cases are debt collection. So they're just like debt collecting oh. companies who just like use our justice system Jesus to take down some people. Yeah. And then, you know, Nicole's run is so amazing because she's pointing this out and like giving people to pay attention to this. But at the municipal level, um, this year there's two great candidates. You know, uh, did you talk about one, Gloria Ochoa in Spokane, and there's another in Bremerton, uh, Tracy Flood, um, mm-hmm. the black woman who's running for judge there. And at the municipal level, you know, these are charges that are less than a year. They're misdemeanors. So there's less than a year in prison. But obviously, even a couple of days can completely wreck your life yeah. if you're just living hand to mouth. And these are judges who get to say, you know, how long your sentence is. Do you pay a fine or do you go to jail? And then importantly, for um, what check-ins like look like if you're on uh, probation um, and if there's people who actually understand what it means to be, you know, paying your rent, you're in jail maybe for two weeks for something stupid, usually a um, crime of desperation, and you're in jail for two weeks, you lose your part-time job, your car gets impounded, you don't have the money to get your car after you get out, and now you're in the exact same position to be forced uh, into a place where you might need to an act of desperation to live, yeah. and then that gets criminalized even further. And so, you know... It's class warfare. Absolutely. And to your point about like system fucking poor people, turning them into a criminal class, just a conveyor belt of just like pain and punishment uh, being stamped by prosecutors and then sealed by judges. And so, you know, it's really important to have people there who are going to be uh, backstop and be justice minded, especially because then, you know, if you're going to law school or whatever, like now you have uh, you can at least know somebody who's trying to. do good and uh, doing the thing that's something you can look up to. And so I think where it all goes, where like all of this goes to local elections is I think, you know, because the left is ascendant and we're winning power in some places, it feels like that's like the thing to do, but also just denying uh, the far right and corporate interests and reactionary interests, another little lever of power is actually really important. That's why they fight so hard yeah. Yeah. Uh, to to make sure that you don't. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, I'd add to that. I, I, I feel like I've been beating the drum on structural changes, but it's like, you know, that's like, that's, that's what comes next. Right. Totally. Like, I think yeah. like um, whether or not the left is successful in uh, electing like our people um, or as close to our people as yeah. we can get like this go around. Um, I mean, like, I think, the most important thing we can do is push for uh, structural solutions like uh, well-districted <laughs> districts that are like actually representational, uh, options like ranch choice voting that lead to um, better choices in the future. Um, because, you know, I even if we got everything we wanted um, this go around, like I am just like deeply skeptical <laughs> of like trusting even, you know, judges, you know, who, yeah, course, who yeah. like are out there, you know, saying, saying all of the right things, um, because like the cultural context of everything like will change. Um, and I, like we need, we need, uh, systems, the apparatuses of democracy need to 
be able to adapt to that um, and reflect that um, ongoing. So, right, because right now it may be that uh, a lot more people than ever before are willing to look at, you know, our criminal punishment system differently. So they may not be responding. To, they may not respond to, you know, ads, campaign ads against prosecutors and, and judges, you know, people running for those offices, calling them, you know, soft on crime and shit. Totally, yeah. They may not work right now. We don't know. I mean, that's the question. Like what, what is the temperature of that? But um, yeah, but that could, that could change unless, you know. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, like one of the, st- it's really, I mean, not two steps, but to simplify it, it's like we need rad candidates to run, but we have to fucking change the system, too. Because, you know, like he said, like this year is kind of a referendum on like defund and stuff like that. But I think going into this election cycle and like um, results coming soon and all that, like we need to remember, even if there are races that we, you know, lose and we get 35 percent, 40 percent, whatever, like that's a really good sign, right? Yeah. Like, and that's like a sign of like what we can do in terms of organizing to yeah. move forward. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think like another thing to keep in mind too, is like, we have a really sort of, despite everything, like we have a really cool crop of candidates across the state. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's all done like at this point by pure will, like just yeah. the pure will of communities. And it's like, you know, um, I love us, but like, at some point that's going to top off, right? Like the structural yes. stuff will wear yeah. that down. Um, and like, you know, I, I really think like we're at this moment where like it really, it really fucking matters and it needs to happen like yeah. very fucking quickly. I know that that's true of like so many things, <laughs> but it's like, are we like, we really just have to fundamentally think differently about um, how democracy happens um, and like begin to change the levers so that like we can actually do the spirit of the thing because, you know, we're marching to apartheid. Right. <laughs> yeah. Refrain of this episode. <laughs> so, okay, so you can talk about building, you know, community power, taking the power away from law, law enforcement in these communities, but wealth redistribution is probably going to have to happen on a much larger level, somewhat on the state level, but really ultimately, like, on the federal level in America. And so, I mean, maybe that's just a, a call to build be building power at all levels, I mm-hmm. guess. And and you know, you bring this up about yeah, just being told to fuck off by a city manager, but there's all kinds of structures that again for the same reason you need to build power on all levels. That like even in Seattle, I mean, it's easy to think because our governments operate in basically a totally reactionary way all the time, that they have all this power to use. But historically in this country when uh, you know, it's often happened that when people, communities do try to take power uh, and do try to institute more radical reforms, such as wealth distribution, they get shut down from what the level above. So, like, you know, uh, where the state will send in and, you know, legislate that and take power away from elected city governments, like was done in Detroit, other places where, you know, uh, Power was that was elected, where people have elected radical black leaders to do radical uh, democratic programs, have just been sort of legislated out of ex- out of existence and been replaced by management by the state. And you know, this is this has happened at all different kinds of levels. It is 
that is uh, that is a real possibility with all this stuff. You know, you can come, have a state come in and say, uh, "Well, we don't like what you're doing, so it turns out you're insolvent, and uh, now now we control you." And so, yeah. at the end of the day, maybe you know, it, along with all of this, you know, need to be building power, you know, working some kind of working class power that that can challenge all those levels, you know? This is like my theory, like my big theory, like that's very untested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think when I look at it, like state government, and especially for a state as economically developed yeah. as Washington State, like has all the same tools. Like I look at Washington State and I see... Um, like a multi-billion dollar economy that's basically the size of Denmark um, in terms of GDP. And there's, we face like all the same constraints as a lot of the Nordic states do. Like, okay, capital flight. But like, okay, that can also happen. And you know, oh, we don't have our own currency, but like they operate on the euro. So the big thing for me is I'm pretty sure that one of the like biggest untapped sources of power is actually like that's like when i say the state not like yeah lenin state revolution, <laughs> but like literally like washington state government yeah, yeah. No, like, seriously. yeah. yeah like has the power to create uh at least and at least like social democracy and push even further because you can i mean we could pass a wealth tax like there's a bill to do that right. it's got a good amount of support it's going to yeah. be like the number one priority um you have control and standards like we just saw the legislature set huge standards for policing like you could do a lot of the things that we need to do if we had a state legislature and executive branch and judicial branch i mean as of now like the 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 state supreme court is like basically like the most progressive Mm -hmm. (laughs) like branch of government we have like if they wanted to they could really capital in a way that they can't like amazon cannot fucking leave you know microsoft cannot fucking leave like they've invested too for the same reasons that like uh spotify can't leave you know switzerland um like they there's you're not going well, to sweden but yeah them. sweden yes <laughs> wait let me do that little rant over <laughs> um, <laughs> for the same reason that spotify can't leave sweden like you know there's also limits to what capital flight can do and i feel like if we got serious about challenging corporate power in the state and actually enacting a tax system that was designed for working people you could get a long ways uh there munia am i right or yeah no no i think you're i think you're completely right and it also rebukes what I think capital has successfully organized with a lot of states, which is this race to the bottom, this race to zero. Um, you know, this the I guess the fear of capital flight has led to that fiasco with, you know, Amazon's HQ2, where everyone's offering them the biggest tax cuts because they need the jobs. And if not, then they'll just go somewhere else. But we've, we've seen firsthand that um, that leads to nowhere. We gave Boeing a huge, massive tax break and they still left, right? Um, but they're still here too and they still have a presence. Like the actual real estate that's in the city, the amount that they invest in is all bullshit and it's all a bluff. And there's, and there's so much that a state with especially the leverage and growth that you know Washington has 
can really use and, you know, like significantly challenge capital, even without um, the backing of the federal government to an extent. Right. And of course, the federal government has a lot of power um, and, you know, it would be great to have them on our side, too. But there's a lot that can be done at the state level. Um, And if, you know, there is actual like radical, radical leadership, you know, in um, the state of Washington, it it can really change like everything. We have two of the richest people in the world in this state, you know, so. um, Yeah, they can't really escape, uh, you know, even for a wealth tax, you know, it's hard to escape that because you could just create an exit clause for the wealth tax. Like, oh, if you don't want to live here anymore, well, the exit tax (laughs) is 40% now. So, you know, pick and choose. Yeah, and there's hard real assets in in Washington. It's not just IP. It's not just, you know, just like revenue coming in. There's there's actual real assets too um, that that are- Go find another like UW system or a peninsula, motherfuckers. You're not going to build that. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're talking a lot about all the things that are like stacked against against us in the system. But I think it's really important for us, like as organizers to really, you know, ground ourselves in the fact that, yeah, like these things are going to be difficult to achieve. But like with tight and like very um, not strategic, but just like very intentional organizing, like we can achieve these things. Right. Oh, Mm -hmm. totally. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I think that I think that's it. I think that covers it. Yeah, yeah I think uh, we've we've walked it out. Totally. So, I mean, you know, obviously we've talked about like all the different candidates people should get involved with. But like if they if people want to stay looped in with what y'all are doing, how can they do that? Subscribe to the tally. Awesome. Uh, which is bit.ly slash the tally. Yeah, or you can sign up on that. Uh, the website that's wacommunityalliance.org right. yeah hit that subscribe button find us on twitter hit that donate link hit that donate link twice maybe right yeah do the checkbox for monthly contributions <laughs> that's right and what's your ad on twitter oh i'm me i'm doji taha and i'm kamau mau mau yeah cute we love Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming. This was rad and uh, learned a lot. So Yeah, definitely. A lot of uh, good information. We uh, following these races yeah. outside of uh, the city we focus Looking on. Looking forward to post-election so we can break things down a little bit and yeah. what they mean. So, absolutely. Yeah. It was great to freak with the machines. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's good to have you guys on the boat. Thanks. I blacked right. out. Can we do that again real quick? Wait, what? The... No, the whole thing. good chat thank you and i wish i wish i was that confident when i black out (laughs) that could have saved me some headaches we need to rewind the whole night (laughs) Uh, cool all right thanks guys bye Bye. 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 night moon yes sweet dreams hey thank you thank you